365 days a year. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duvernay, your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, at Montecito's Upper Village, at Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you doing today? Well, today is May 4th, 2020. Uh, on May 3rd, which was a Monday, 1999, so 21 years ago today, what happened? The question of the day, 21 years exactly today. You got married. No, that was, I was, I was way married before then. That was 30 years before that. Yeah. So what do you think happened on May 3rd, which was a Monday, 1999? That was a market high. No, it was uh, Beryl and I and our Ford Explorer with a, a mattress in the back, driving up to our house, driving in from New York. I have oh, been hearing- cross-country trek? Right, our stuff had, was in a truck, so we kept with us a um, little TV set and a mattress. Uh, the little TV we didn't realize did not have an antenna. So that didn't do us any good, but the old mattress didn't. We slept on the floor for the first five days because our stuff didn't come. But this was an, um, this is an amazing uh, uh, moment right now, 21 years. So I guess my question to you, Neil, is did you, did you drive from Manhattan or Long Island at the time to Santa well, it Barbara? Was, it was from Manhattan, and I drove 99% of the time. And finally, Beryl said to me, uh, driving in LA, um, you know, I really want to drive. <laughs> she got off at the wrong exit. And we got lost and that did not go well. Uh, so how long did it take you? It took us not long. We did it. We rocked. Uh, you know, when you have this romantic vision of going on a cross country trip, you think I can stop off and see this and I can stop and off and see that. If there was something more than, I don't know, 50 feet from the exit, we said, forget it. Let's just keep going. So we saw absolutely nothing, but get, but by the way, gas stations across the country are very clean. Good to know. Just to know. That's the only thing I can, I can say about the trip that was worth well, it. Well, as, as people take less and less airplanes with COVID-19 going around, this yeah. could be helpful information for somebody, Neil. Yeah. Is there so anything we have, we have a guest today. Oh, unless I, you have, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'd like to walk us down memory lane a little further. <laughs> <laughs> we are thrilled to have with us, welcome to the show, Deborah Levinson. She is a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in New York City. She has written three books and she is a John Hopkins trained psychotherapist. So Deborah, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. So the first article I brought in today was from Saturday's Wall Street Journal, which is entitled Finding Your Balance in unsettled markets. And the article is about 
uh, rebalancing your portfolio. And um, it, one of the uh, points that it's making is that while um, interest rates are now near their record lows, it still makes sense to consider rebalancing uh, because uh, bonds uh, still mitigate against severe downturns. And um, so the essence of the article until the end, and I want to get to the end because that's the reason I picked it out, is that rebalancing actually does make some sense no matter what your outlook on interest rates is. Uh, but here's the interesting end of the article. It says, in the end, rebalancing is unlikely to raise your return. The point of investing isn't to get the best return. It's to get the best return at the least risk. And rebalancing lowers your risk by making sure you're, are, you aren't overly exposed to stocks right before a downturn. Uh, and it also keeps you on a disciplined path towards your growth. The investment analyst Benjamin Graham wrote that the chief virtue of rebalancing is that it gives the investor something to do. Whenever markets move sharply up or down, it's human nature to want to take action. Rebalancing helps investors siphon off that energy. Graham argued while directing its decisions exactly opposite from the crowd. So the idea here is that it is not necessarily going to do you much good. It won't hurt you and it may keep you from doing something stupid. Well, and it also um, it also holds true that what then you're doing is you're selling high and buying low. And that is how you do make money in the, in the markets. Actually, that expression was in the article, but I didn't want to use it because it sounded so silly buying low and selling high, but th that was actually the article. Uh, the next article is from the New York Times on Sunday, and it's entitled "Small uh, Some Small Businesses That Got Aid Fear the Rules Too Much to Spend It. And the article is about the quandary that many, many small businesses are in because they don't really understand how the loan forgiveness program works because the regulations haven't been fully written. And what the general view is, is that to have the loan forgiven, uh, you need to have used the money uh, to hire back workers and the money, 75% of the money has to be used uh, to, um, uh, to hire back workers. And what the owners are complaining about, uh, these small business owners, is that they can't use the workers. So hiring them back not only doesn't do them any good, but it also means that the employees will lose their um, unemployment benefits. And at the same time, in eight weeks, they'll have to probably fire them again. So there's a great deal of stress going on among small businesses and their accountants and lawyers because nobody really understands how it's supposed to work. Now, what's interesting about this is that in Europe, the general procedure for putting money into employees' hands has been basically to skip the businesses and go right to the employees and give them money directly. And I don't think small businesses, particularly those interviewed in this article, really understand that this is really uh, a way for them to act as a conduit to pay employees. It's not really a way of saving the business. And so uh, whether they like it or not, the whole idea behind this is to give their employees money. Right. It's to pay the employees and also also pay rent to stabilize the commercial real estate market. And it's really just a, a mechan the small business is a mechanism for those two things, keeping fewer people out of unemployment 
um, offices and unemployment insurance, as well as making sure that your landlords are getting paid on their properties. And if if you follow all the rules as they're set forth in that uh, in the PPP, it's actually a grant and it's given. If you don't, if you fire all your employees and use it for marketing, let's say, or something that's not specifically uh, called out in those regs, then it will not be forgiven. And it's interesting. We learned last week on the show that, you know, in fact, it's not the money isn't coming from the Small Business Administration. The money is coming from the banks. So like last week, Laurel Sykes, when she was talking from American Riviera, it's American Riviera Bank lending you the money. And so, you know, it's really goes back to it's very important for these small business owners to have a good relationship with their bank. Um, and the final article for today uh, is from today's Wall Street Journal. And it's the front page story in the special section on funds and uh, ETFs that they have uh, uh, usually at the beginning of a month. And the, uh, the article is, is, is entitled, More Than Ever, Investors Want to Account for Stock Market Dangers. And so the article says, what is the right metric to use? And the reason I showed this is because I want to show how much I know about something that nobody cares about, <laughs> which is the various tools that they're suggesting that are used. And they're suggesting that uh, there are four tools. There's the Sharpe ratio, um, the Sorrentino ratio, the downside capture ratio, and the Morningstar risk ratings. And again, um, I don't get a chance to talk about this much because no one really cares. But if you had read my favorite book, uh, uh, Black Swan, you would know that anything that uses uh, standard deviation and the concept of a normal distribution just doesn't work. And the Sharpe ratio and the Sorrentino ratio both use uh, standard deviation as its basis. And so I don't think that it really is very helpful. And the Morningstar risk ratings, uh, they don't really say how they're computed. They're just saying it's based upon the historical volatility over a period of time, which again is fairly meaningless. So I think that the idea of, of latching on to some easy to understand uh, metric to think that you are mitigating risk is uh, something that may make you feel better, but could get you in trouble. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. 
It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290. Or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Deborah Levinson, She is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist trained by John Hopkins with us. She's an author and she's published a paper um, on traumatic grief, loss, and moving on. And so Neil and I thought it should be especially relevant with all that's going on in the world right now to come and talk to us a little bit about what's going on, how people are feeling during this time of, you know, shelter in place orders and economic downturn, the, the two com- com- combination. But before we get to that, let's, Deborah, talk a little bit about you, about where you come from, how you got involved in being a therapist, and a little bit about your background. So I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I trained at Hopkins. I've been in practice 40 years, and I trained many, many years ago. I'm a cognitive and systems therapist, and I have a broad range of experiences. And actually 2001, right after 9-11, and it was coincidental, I started a practice in New York City. And that's where my practice currently exists. And needless to say, in this era of COVID-19, many of my patients are experiencing enormous stress as their lives have been totally upended. Um, Not because they're sick, but they can't do anything they're used to doing. What am I doing? In 1991, I was widowed very young at the age of 44. And I had two adolescent children. And I knew that I wanted to move on with my life. My late husband died of a terrible form of cancer. He was sick for a year. And after that, um, I went back to school at Catholic University for my third graduate degree to become a licensed social worker. I was a psychotherapist before that. And the reason it's important is that my graduation thesis is my published work on which the subjects I'm going to talk about today are based. And that is experiencing major loss, lots of an anchor, loss of a lifestyle, and learning how to 
mourn that loss and move on and craft the next chapter in your life. And the basic principles apply to COVID-19. And all of the stuff that I hear uh, that people are telling me every day about, oh my God, what is going on? What do I do? How do I move forward? Is what I had hoped to talk about today. Should I continue? So, so what got you interested in psychology to begin with? Um, I like to help people. And I worked with young children and families and went to court on um, custody cases for years. And then in New York, I just helped young people make their lives work in the big city. And it was very interesting to do that. So I've worked with lots of young people and there's still many of them are still in my practice and many of them have moved all over the world. So I've had very different variety of experiences. So as a business owner, now that now that everybody's Zooming and, and video conferencing, are you conducting your practice through video at this time? Well, sometimes it depends on the patient. I have two groups that work on video. I Zoom with my New York City women's group that has been going on since 2006. And when I moved to Santa Barbara, I still go back to New York four to five times a year and was supposed to go back in March and of course didn't. With COVID-19, people have asked to do the meeting of the groups more frequently because it helped with the anxiety that's been caused. And there's such a sense of intimacy that's been developed in the groups over time. I also have a women's group in Santa Barbara and we do Zoom on this. And that group started based on how do women form their identity. And it's been going on for more than a year. So I do do that. Sometimes I do FaceTime and many times I do telephone calls. You know, there was an article in the uh, Times this weekend about therapists needing help also because therapists are humans and they don't get to go to the office and they don't get to go out either. And so there's uh, a need for self-healing as well. Enormous need. And one of the things that I do for self-healing is I take a walk every morning, three or four miles. And I've been walking at Goleta Beach up through Santa, um, UC Santa Barbara to the lagoon. I find the ocean incredibly peaceful and therapeutic. And the walk to and from my car, which I park at the base of Goleta Beach, is, is just Great. I also find, and one of the things I wanted to talk about, is that people are struck by the fact that they have all this new quiet time. And quiet time is time to think. And many people, particularly New Yorkers, are not used to having that kind of quiet time. And it forces people to reassess values in this crisis mode that we're experiencing. And in the fact that it really will be a long time that we will go back to old patterns, if ever, and that we will achieve a new normal, and they're facing these crises. Um, therapists, I, therapists are having a hard time. Healthcare workers on the front line are having a hard time. And last night on the news, it showed that there's a helpline of psychiatrists all over the country that are answering 
um, health healthcare workers issues. This talk that I'm going to do with you today, I'm presenting as a webinar for healthcare workers, clinical social workers, psychologists, et cetera, May 26th as a continuing education unit so that healthcare workers know how to work with their patients and also to take time for themselves so that they're not burnt out. You know, you talk about uh, thinking and the opportunity to think. And I started doing uh, guided meditations a few months ago. And one of the things that they almost always be talk about in the beginning is, you know, shut your mind off, stop thinking, because this recycling of thoughts is what makes it impossible to be in the present. So you mentioned thinking in a positive way, but thinking and excessive thinking, because you have nothing to do, can also be an anxiety producer. Well, that is anxiety and that's obsessive compulsive behavior, but there's a difference. The kind of thinking you're doing, Neil, is much more mindfulness and meditation and um, peacefulness. Um, what I'm finding, it, it, and I'm going to digress and go to the themes. What I'm finding is we had a crisis and this crisis turned our world upside down. It created chaos, it created unsettling things and people did not know what to do. All of a sudden our world stopped, our work stopped, um, our daily life patterns stop and people said, oh my God, I can't do my routine anymore. And that in itself was anxiety producing because routine allows people to have a certain sense of stability. So what happened as this chaos and crisis takes place is something that someone asked me about the other day because she said, I'm turning a new decade and all of my thoughts about what I was going to do are gone and I'm living in a fog. And I said to her, when your environment is in chaos, all you do is tread water and you can't attend to personal change until there's some level of stabilization. So of course that impacts people whose businesses are shuttered and it it impacts people who can't do their daily routine. Some people are lucky enough to work from home and be productive. But what happens is you have to just stop and start all over and tread water and take one day at a time working to create a new routine, albeit temporary just to give the individual some sense of stability during this environmental chaos. And with not having wonderful leadership on all fronts, it makes it even harder. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. If you have trouble handling your anger, get help. 
If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, putting an end to domestic violence. Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, with four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in Santa Inez, call 686-4390. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's astronomical unit. Community Matters. Radio, real estate. Money talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Santa Barbara T-Sports Radio Show. Golf Radio Show. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. And CSUCI presents About Education. Farm to Table Hour. Welcome to Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. History Friday. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Book and Fork Radio. Solutions News. Tell me your story. KZSB AM 1290. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by... Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Deborah, you you had said that, you know, survival is the name of the game. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, we're in a life-death crisis, literally. None of us know a lot about this enemy that we are facing because it's not visible, And the scientists really don't even know a whole lot about it. Um, They've just started to find some medicines that have some helpfulness with it and the combination of medicines. But for every medicine they're finding, they're finding um, other reactions to the drug, to the virus that they never thought existed. So, for example, it seems now children are getting the virus and there may be some extreme reactions that they're experiencing and pets are getting the virus. Life-death survival means for a society that was relatively comfortable, where most people were dealing with luxury items and things like that, they didn't have to count every penny, like many people who don't are no longer working today, or they've had their salaries cut, or their businesses are not producing. And from those who are more comfortable and they have some financial stability, they never had to think about survival in terms of um, groceries, toilet paper, hand wipes, um, sanitizers, masks, um, gloves that became basic commodities overnight and where to access them, how to access them and how to get them and how to manage using them so that you don't run out. I mean, learning how to make your own hand wipe solution from Clorox bleach is something I'm sure most people never even thought they'd have to think about. I have to tell you, I remember two things. Number one, I now understand why my mother pinched pennies. She grew up in the Depression. I never understood that before. And it is a 
um, psychology that develops. And number two, I was about nine years old during the polio epidemic that existed in the 1950s. And I remember what it was like not to be able to go out in the summertime and not to be able to go in swimming pools. And I was in camp in New Hampshire and how they had to hurry us out of Boston into the train station to get back to, to get out of that area because the line, I, the epidemic was so severe and the number of iron lungs were enormous. So what I'm saying, life, death, our lives had many more frivolities associated with it. And we're not dealing with that now. We have to figure about basic food supplies because so many processing plants are closed and we may not be able to get meat, chicken, or fish. And all of those things become issues that we have to deal with. Pharmaceutical products, where we're going to get them. So people have to stop, think, be creative, um, and figure out how they're going to make their lives work on a day-to-day -day basis. We didn't live day-to-day. -day. Many people traveled enormously. That has just shuddered and stopped. Many people um, would, would travel by car. Many people would go to the beach. All of that's been shut out. And people have to do something they've never done before. They have to stop hugging or seeing friends and they have to stop hugging them. So the issue of social isolation has become enormous. As a result of that, we have lots of losses and lots of feelings about these losses. Anxiety, loss, grief is how we mourn our losses. But grief is not a process that begins and then ends. Mourning is a process that goes on for a long period of time at different phases of this adjustment process. And that's what we're doing. We are looking for a transition for a new normal. And I need to say something very important. Everybody says to me, so can I make plans for June or can I make plans for August? And as I said, the environment hasn't stabilized because we don't know what this virus is gonna mean over time as we start to open businesses and start to get back to some activity. So nobody can make a prediction except for the here and now. Maybe you can figure out what you're gonna do next week or in two weeks, but you can't go further than that. We don't know if schools are gonna open up. They're planning to open up in August, but we don't know, and sorry, late July, but we don't know if that's gonna happen or in August. So what people have to learn to do is, as Neil was saying, he's in the moment when he does mindfulness, is to live in the moment. And that's not something we've done. As far as money, this is very, very important. The two greatest variables that predict the ability of people to adjust are one, maintaining the financial situation you had before this pandemic started. So that for people who are out of work or don't know where work is coming from, or don't know if they're gonna have a job next week or next month, this is extremely anxiety producing or depression producing. In addition to that, the next quality that's so important is the capacity to be resilient. 
And by focusing on the here and now, having control over your day-to-day life is the most important thing because you can't make long-term plans at this time. And then the question, of course, is how to deal with mental health issues. And I can do that in a couple of minutes. So what's interesting, what's interesting, what's, yeah, what's interesting is uh, uh, how people have um, uh, used denial. Um, and what I mean by that is over the last couple of years, there's been several articles that uh, showed that um, 45% or so of Americans uh, didn't have $450 if they needed an emergency car repair. So this country has been at the precipice of financial crisis in terms of having no leeway if you lost your job for a number of years. And people just said, okay, well, you know, I'm sure I'll be fine and ignored it, which is a form of denial. So um, there are people, as you mentioned, that, you know, have changed uh, their ability to do anything they wanted to do. But there's a vast number of people in this country that really couldn't have done anything uh, that they wanted to do because of financial restraint. And now they're in a different position. They have to recognize how precarious their financial uh, uh, position uh, has been. And, uh, uh, you know, that's sort of uh, an awakening that I think, you know, people are going to have to face. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, let's play some video games. This new dad plays video games with his sons. But the challenge feels like he's lifting a metric ton. So many buttons. His avatar just stares at the walls, twists and turns and somehow falls. Help me. He's tangled up in the controller's cords. I just don't understand this crazy digital world. Crazy, crazy digital world. But the love from his kids is totally apparent. See, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. You should have just played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. The Foundation for Santa Barbara City College is a nonprofit organization which supports our own Santa Barbara City College. The Foundation for Santa Barbara City College, or SBCC, funds scholarships, child care, book grants, and other programs. Without these, many students simply would not be able to attend college. There is an amazing range of academic and vocational studies offered at City College which encourage students to find their passion and their talents. As a donor to the Foundation, You have the power to change lives. Please help our community college by donating to the Foundation for SBCC. Call 730-4401 or visit us at sbccfoundation.org to find out how you can help. That's 730-4401 or sbccfoundation.org. Welcome 
back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So at the break, Deborah, we were talking that Deborah had an opportunity to give a seminar uh, conference workshop to the Secret Service. So Deborah, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. The Secret Service is an amazing agency, and most people don't know about it. The people that we run into that are Secret Service that are guarding the Capitol or different buildings or things like that are very um, straight. They don't smile. They don't do anything. I remember in when I was in New York for many years, I stayed with my girlfriend, and um, I tried to get into the building that she lives in at the end of seeing patients that day, and the Secret Service was blocking and wouldn't let me in the building. And I looked at them and said, but I live here. <laughs> and one of the women put her arm around me and walked in, and the reason they wouldn't let me is there were some Pakistani officials that were visiting a very famous man who lives in the building. And I, I couldn't get in until they let me in based on that. When I went to D.C., you have to know that the building is unmarked. You have no idea you're going to this building. And I got in. It was very hard getting in, checked through everything. But once you're in, the whole agency was there. And they um, videotaped my presentation about loss and moving on because they wanted to use it at all their field offices throughout the world, which of course I was both humbled and touched about. Um, they were very, very interested in this model and the process of dealing with loss, grieving, moving forward and crafting each phase of their new life and having to deal with people as a family. So for example, if one of their colleagues was murdered, the whole secret service would take over supporting the survivors. So at one time, one of the congressional secret service men who was really in charge um, died very suddenly. And what happened was the whole group of men that were supporter would drive down the street of where the widow lived to make sure she was okay. And they would do this frequently. So my presentation at Secret Service was an education. They have their own store where you can buy things, sweatshirts, shirts, things. I have a shirt that has Secret Service emblem. And at the end of the presentation, they gave me a lovely bowl that says United States Secret Service. It, needless to say, I didn't ask for any money. This was my giving back to the country. They also showed me the wall where all of the people who have died have been honored. And this is the same wall that President Trump stood in front very soon after his inauguration, where he talked about himself instead of honoring the people who had died. So it was quite an amazing experience, and most of us do not know all that much about what the Secret Service does, but they're an amazing group. So your, your stages of grieving, 
Um, many, many uh, liken uh, a loss of a job very similarly to a loss of a person because it's part of their identity, part of their routine. What would you recommend for people who are going through that loss of, of job right now? What, what should they be doing and, and how can they come to terms with their uh, emotional well-being? The most important thing for people who have lost their job right now is to create a structure for themselves for their day to get up in the morning, to go exercise, to have a structure about how they're gonna work, look for new work, and to find new and different activities that can occupy their mind in some downtime. There's probably a lot of anxiety about the loss of work, and what people need to do is check with their doctors if they feel they could benefit from an antidepressant at the time because they need to be able to function. And if you're up at 3 a.m. in the morning, that's one of the signs of being depressed. If you're in denial, that's another sign that many people are in denial that this is really happening to me. And that's part of the shock of dealing with the crisis. And many people just aren't doing anything. I found for the first month that there were many people that would just do nothing except get through a day and not even know how they got through a day, feel like they're in a fog. But by reestablishing some kind of routine and order for the day, it helps one to function. And also, I need to say this because I've had to say this to many people, um, not only in my practice, but friends, relatives, etc. If someone is laid off and you cannot get in the unemployment, call your congressperson and ask them to advocate for you. Many states have unemployment um, unemployment. Uh, offices that have archaic technology and they can't get through or they're spending hours of getting through. It's the same with PPP. If you can't get the PPP, you call your congressperson or your senator and have them advocate for you and have the number on your PPP application ready so that you can give it to the congressperson because then you get personalized service and that works all the time. So my basic the other thing that somebody who is depressed and upset and has lost work is you have to get together with friends or colleagues or coworkers and talk about what you're doing. You can't do this alone. There's no shame in having lost your job in this environment. And don't be afraid to talk to people about what options they feel you can pursue to find new work. Um, so don't let your emotions paralyze you is basically what I'm saying. And the, and the, and the, uh, the corollary of that corollary of that would be if you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, since you can do online trading 24 hours a day, it's probably not a great idea to go on your online brokerage account and try to figure out how to get some of the money you lost back in March. I think it's very important what you said before. You stay the course, Neil, and, and if you're not in good shape, that's not the time to be working on your portfolio so much anyway. And going forward from the financial crisis, I learned in my portfolio to have a huge block of cash 
available so that I didn't have to worry immediately when this kind of situation happened again, because I knew after the financial crisis, we'd have it again. So I, that's my two piece as an untrained financial person. I think it's important. Oh, because you do want to have an emergency reserve where that what that's for is for times of uncertainty, you have some, some le- semblance of, of, um, safety, a safety net to help you get through so you don't have to make any brash decisions while you're in a, a stress situation. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at the two of you uh, on Zoom and I have a financial advisor here and a, a therapist here. And I can't think of two better people to, uh, to talk me off the financial ledge. Uh, it's two part of a team that I think probably everybody needs in a crisis like this to have somebody talk about their emotions and somebody like a financial advisor to talk you out of doing something stupid, which is probably what you're about to do. Absolutely. And so Deborah, when, you know, you read a lot of the news articles that domestic violence is on the rise for people who are listening that are in a situation such as that, that's usually compounded by financial stress. What, um, what would you recommend there? Um, I think we're going to see a huge rise of finding of um, not only husband wife domestic abuse, but um, parents overacting or reacting with children as they have to monitor them all day. And many of them probably have never spent all day with their kids, except for summer vacation or vacations. So this is a new learning experience. The most important thing is if you're angry or upset, distance, go somewhere where you can wind down, get space, exercise and release some of that tension and don't allow yourself to get into that fight. And once you're, if you're in the fight, get out of it, no matter how you do and take Um, They used to, they used to say with kids, you'd put them aside for a period of time and they'd have downtime. And there's an important piece to this that maybe people should know. Anger is a time-released emotion. Besides your feelings about anger, there's a time that it takes to get over being angry. And until you've calmed down, you're not ready to re-interact with the next person. With kids, it's probably about 15 minutes that you have to give them to time out so that they can calm down. And with adults, it may be longer. The other thing is many times domestic abuse takes place because people are drinking more because they're upset about the situation. And if possible, it would be important to slow down on the drinking. More than two drinks tonight, two drinks a night is too many. One drink a night is a social drinker, maybe, but more than that is too much. So I hope that gives you a little bit. If you need to, you call a crisis hotline or you call um, some social support, but do not stay in a situation where you're being abused. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back with our final segment. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. 
All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the KellyMarshTeam.com or call Call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, I'm Scott Johnson, host of the AM1290 Golf Radio Show along with my co-hosts Ross Cope and Scott Dweck. Join us every week as we discuss local Lynx news, PGA Tour events, maybe a little bit of fantasy golf in there. You forgot the FedEx Cup. And we might play a little bit of that, but <laughs> probably not. And then we'll try to figure out at the end of the season who owes the most breakfast burritos. Join us Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m., Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and Sunday mornings, if you're really bored, 5 a.m. That's in the my favorite broadcast. A radio show so good, it truly is the best hour of radio on radio. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Deborah, um, talk to us a little bit about personal values and how this situation, you know, what we can use this excess in time that we have to self-reflect and, and um, help us be, gain clarity on values. Well, in this life and death struggle that we're dealing with, um, I realized as I did some value of clarification of my own, I started to think about what used to be important to me. Shopping was a therapy for me. I love to shop. And I looked in my closet and I found clothes that were there that I didn't even remember buying. And I looked at my New York wardrobe to dress professionally or my East Coast wardrobe to go to Bethesda. And I thought, gee, how important are these clothes? Will I ever really wear them again? What really is important in all of this? And what I found and what many people are finding is just time to spend with people we love online, in Zoom, FaceTime, or people we care about, friends, having happy hour together on Zoom. But in addition to that, material things don't always seem as important as they used to seem. I do have a comic, a comment that a friend of mine said. She said, I couldn't stand it. I went out and I ordered a new pocketbook. And she said, but of course I had no place to go. So I just carried it from room to room. <laughs> 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 that I was getting my 
you know, value out of my pocketbook. But, but that puts things in perspective. All of us have needs, all of us have wants, all of us have desires. But what is really important in this time of crisis, staying well, staying healthy, and staying there for the people that we love. And thank you for having me. Well, um, I'm glad that you're leaving, but we still have two minutes left. Oh, okay. <laughs> I you said you were going to cut me off. <laughs> so if you want to take over the show. Uh... <laughs> well, I think what's important is that we're learning what's going to have to happen down the road. And what I want to stress more than anything with everyone is just be in the here and now. Make your days work for you and your evenings and find new activities. And by new activities, I was speaking to a patient the other day and she said, I'm just at loose ends. I said, do you like jigsaw puzzles? She said, I love jigsaw puzzles. I said, well, then order one. And the way that I work mine is if I put three pieces in, then I can get up from the table. I don't have to be obsessive, but it gives me a way of focusing and forgetting everything else. Other people like flowers and they like to plant flowers. Other people, there's friends with words with friends on an app that you can play with friends and keep in touch. The important thing is to make sure people that you know who are alone do not feel isolated and cut off. Now, to that end, Deborah, there's also that feeling of, of anxiety about going back into the real world. And, and how, how are, have you seen that play out in your client base yet? I don't think we have a real world that we know about that we're going back to. I don't think we will ever get back to the normal that we used to have. I remember looking, working in New York, I always looked over my shoulder for the next terrorist attack. And I, I don't think that stops. I think people just aren't as aware, but I think here, we will not have the normal we had before. On that, on that uh, optimistic note, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all your insight. And thank you all for listening to Money Talk. And we'll see you next week. It's 3.05.